County. 32 questions. My name's Una. My name is Andrea. And this is... United Ireland. Whoa. <laughs> We've got a lot of coffee this morning. Um, this is the Fast and Furious. But... Nevertheless, every week we do take a county and dive ah. into an issue relevant to that county and then see where in the world it brings us. This week's county. Without Kevin Costner, it is Waterworld. This week's question. Not diving, whitewater rafting or whitewater shafting. Stop everything, <laughs> Andrea. Oh Help God. us, we're poor. <laughs> we need your Patreon support. Um, in order for us to... Uh, continue in 2020 I'm giving you an ultimatum oh God. if you the person listening right now does not sign up to Patreon right now um, that's it it's toast it's toast it's done <laughs> like we only have a couple of episodes left to get to our 32 yeah that's and all I'm saying will we fulfill our pledge of 32 counties because obviously we've bonus Aruni episodes so in order for us to continue please right now Stop the pod. Or no, keep listening, whatever. Get on to <laughs> no, Patreon. keep listening. Patreon.com forward slash United Ireland. And just give us three euro a month. Three dollars even. And like we don't even get all of that because Patreon takes their cut or whatever. So just help us out. Um, that can be your Christmas present to us. Thank you. Andrea. Yo. How was your week? Oh, uh, it was really good. Um, was it really good? Yeah, it was really good because... I had five dogs for the week, so my life was kind of driven by having five dogs. Like, at the start, it's a bit overwhelming, but then it was absolutely, <laughs> like, in my little house in town, five dogs. Um, <laughs> it was great. But as well as that, I also had the time of my absolute life at the Circulate. Uh, they had their office party. Just like a Christmas office. What is Circulate? Circulate is a music marketing company. Oh, yeah. And the DJ playing was Matador and Felix Cat. Unreal. <laughs> it was bananas. They're up in Portobello, are they? Yes. Yeah. It was just around the corner from my house, Felix Cat. So I got a little voice note from Felix on Saturday. Felix around the corner from your house, Cat? <laughs> little <laughs> voice note from him. We are like, hey, Andrea, what are you doing? Not at my gig. Get in here. I was like, oh, my God, I've made best friends. You're welcome, Felix. Uh, another highlight was... I. I took the plunge and had my virgin dip into Mother at Lost Lane. What did you think? I adore, je love, just everything. Um, yeah, it's so good because Mother obviously plays glam disco tracks, so it's good that it has a glam disco house now. Mm. And the drinks are good. Uh, there's good moving, good potential for scoring, little corners to sit in, everything you need in a club. J'agree. And then... Uh, Oh, two things. Now you want to leave the room. Okay, no. I'm, not, I'm actually just no, going to say I, I didn't enjoy I'm it. Not, no, stop. <laughs> Talk about it now. I don't want any spoilers. Una's watching Marriage Story tonight. She doesn't want a spoiler. I watched it and I fell asleep three times. I had to revert to Maiden Manhattan to bring me back up again. <laughs> like I actually did watch it afterwards because I was like, this is so like not for me. You can come back in now. And my final highlight, as it's Christmas, I've I've... I've been at a trap pop for most of the year because I have a few other bits and bobs that I do. But I just would like to say, I remember why I opened trap pop when I work in there. Because 
the community, the chats, the vibes. It just is everything that is right with the world. And I don't mean just my business, but I mean having a business that facilitates the community and that we all do our job, we all get paid and we're not going, how can we get bigger and how can we scale and how can we get VC investment and all that kind of jazz. We're just doing our bits, having the crack, making some money so we can go out and live our lives. Great. I'm back. (laughs) Noah Baum. Back. What was your marriage story joke that Andrea didn't get? Okay, great. Because I fell asleep three times. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, watching it tonight. I know it's about straight people, but I'm going to give it a shot. (laughs) Straight people. Disgusting. (laughs) So my week was... Is there such a thing as straight people anymore? That's a We might do that as an episode. The more I go out, the more everyone's just scoring everyone. Well, there there was a really interesting piece of research a few years ago, maybe two years ago, that was a really big um, survey of like 15 to 18 year olds or something. And basically they found that people were majority non-heterosexual. But even people who identify as straight are just given everything a go. No, that's uh, that's wrong. That's the wrong. There's a lot of fluidity going around, shall we say. And it's a glory. Yeah, and I think... (laughs) Okay, can I talk about my week? (laughs) We'll come back to that as an episode. Go on. Speaking of community, I had a really great weekend at Cross Pollinator, which was an initiative by um, a bunch of different uh, screen kind of funding bodies and organisers and (coughs) Katie Holly from Blinder Films and... um, Lara from Pop Baby also does other stuff and um, this dude Evan uh, they kind of came together to do this two weekends for emerging female filmmakers and there was loads and loads of people there from all different writing disciplines including people who were already making film and you know writers and directors composers editors all that kind of stuff and they had amazing speakers and it was just really fantastic and I do think that the film industry in Ireland can really teach other industries, cough, media, journalism, um, about how you actually put your kind of money and organisational skills where your mouth is when you're talking about enabling women in the in the arts or in media. So that was really fantastic. I saw a great screen grab actually from your talk at it. Oh, <laughs> Jennifer Lopez. Um, and the other thing that I was doing, I was in London yesterday. Uh, well, this week, I don't know when you're listening to this. Today is Wednesday for us, so Monday, Tuesday I was there and I was doing a talk at Gerard Art Space with um, these great folks from Array Studios in Belfast and it was about Northern Ireland and ha- trying to have complex conversations about the North um, in England, which basically rarely happens, obviously, and Anne Rossiter was there as total boss and, le- boss and Lecter LeCunt and loads of brilliant people and it was turbo-emotional. I'm kind of... Um, Actually, last week's... Um, county rep was saying how yes, joyful Anthony they found was there. Yeah, yes. um, so it was great to catch up with him. So that was our week. The week that was things that happened this week. If there is one sure thing that grinds my gears. Um, it's stories like this. Weatherspoons are planning to invest a further 30 million euro in Ireland in 2020. Money? Yeah. And they want to open like, I think it was like 30 pubs or something. 60 to 70. I think that's in both the UK and Ireland. Okay. Um, and I just like N.O. Ireland why, has why the... Why N.O.? Okay. Let's, let's okay, I'm going to break it down. First of all, <laughs> I, don't, I just don't like Weatherspoons pubs. 
Okay, so that's a personal thing. That's a personal thing. Second of all, Ireland has the best pubs and in the world. The world. Our culture. There's a reason why there's an Irish pub in every town in the world. Yeah, and so our culture, our community, our you know, the our the fabric of our design, the way we meet and coalesce and all those kind of things are rooted in pub culture. Now, obviously there's bad aspects of that as well. But I just feel so aggrieved issue. by the like the tatty, you know, faux fucking like the, the the way they kind of they are this massive brand and they kind of make all these stupid little design decisions and call their pubs stupid fake made up names barrel and face radiator and stick and I just it really fucking annoys me yeah. I just don't well, like my, the pubs mine I've never issue. never it's, been in a Wetherspoons pub in, Ar- in Ireland uh, I know me either but my main issue is the pyramid scheme that they operate within whereas in Ireland all our pubs well, are usually <laughs> <laughs> not an actual pyramid scheme <laughs> but the way I look at e- economics watch out David McWilliams economic lecturer Horan is here um, but if you have a, like all our pubs they're usually owned by a family they're passed down they have their traditions all that jazz the money is passed through the families um, and they make their money to live their lives whereas Witherspoons have a pyramid scheme where they have all these pubs on the bottom that are run by people who don't actually make the money because the money is all filtering up to the top of that pyramid rather than creating um, traditions, family life, uh, economies, etc, etc. So it's like a pyramid shape rather yes. than scheme to their to their thing. Oh, pedantic, semantic. Um, but I, yeah, it's, it is like this big business um, and run by a Brexiteer as well. Speaking of Brexit, there is some kind of election happening in the UK this week. Uh, there's a great piece by Simon Carswell uh, with some really good video reporting as well in the Irish Times of, on Beaconsfield constituency, which is really interesting. It's like a majority conservative constituency that voted majority remain. Um, and so there's interesting stuff happening there. Check that out. Next week, we'll bring you the aftermath of the election because we thought about doing it this week. And as Andrea rightly said, she's sick of speculation. So no. let's wait till we actually know what's Give going me on. some hard facts. You know what are hard facts? The absolute bento bits of the diversions that are being uh, driven by the Conservative Party, such as Boris Johnson driving through a polystyrene uh, wall, even though he didn't have time for like interviews. He's in a JCB knocking down a wall to say we're going to blow whatever his stupid messages and also then all the shit that was going on with the ITV and BBC um, political correspondents or editors um, who were spreading false stories that the Tories uh, spokespeople were giving them and then Boris Johnson robbing phones when he was being asked to look at a picture of the child lying on a hospital bed or floor and he just actually took the reporter's phone and put it in his pocket and your mum was like why did you put my phone in my pocket and he's like oh well I'll look at it now but then the more interesting thing about that is the bots that sprung into action to spread false news to say that that uh, was a plant by the Labour Party to get Yeah there's weird questions over that photograph I don't really know the long and short but what I did like was Brian Dobson um, tweeting that uh, because the reporter Joe Pike whose phone was stolen briefly by Boris Johnson um, kind of tweeted about it and, and Brian Dobson tweeted your PM is for him on this Joe he grabbed my notes during a public interview about Brexit in Dublin last January I suggested he hang on to them as they might come in handy <laughs> <laughs> Burn. well done Dabo um, 
what else has been going on? The Abbey has been criticised by theatre makers and players again about reneging on the promise of more Irish plays. Um, just They're trying to be commercially viable. Like that's a stinger when you're like their the remit is not to be commercially viable. Well, you can see that that's what they're trying to do. So. Um, okay, yeah. Like I mean, I'm I, not. I'm just saying that's like. Yeah, I mean, they're the national. They're a national theatre. Their remit is to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, actually, we might do something on the Abbey and get some folks in to talk about that because I think that's very interesting. Did I talk about Christmas Carol yet in the gate? If I haven't, yes, you did. Oh yeah, yeah. brilliant. Go to it anyway. Um, I've lost track of all the uh, you know all the impeachment stuff going on. So what we're going to do is get a great. American journalist on to explain it all to you very soon. The one thing that I, I've kind of like drawn a blank against it all, the one thing I did come across was just Donald Trump going that he's not just, he's just not going to take part in it. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Cool. He's like, no, it's complete garbage. I'm not taking part. Yeah, I'm oh, like, you know. And everyone's like, Grant. Yeah. Cool. So bananas. Go and do your tweets then. My favourite story of the week were the, well actually it was the, more the the photograph of the <laughs> two Carmelite nuns in Cork rock, rock, rocking up to court holding that giant child of Prague statue. They just needed the weather. In this like really interesting planning laws case. Yeah. Um. So yeah, keep fucking shit up Carmelite nuns. <laughs> I'm very sad about Marie Fredrickson from Roxette dying. I'm very sad. My kind of ultimate music genre, I suppose, if I'm being totally honest, is definitely in the 80s and 90s power ballad sphere. And Roxette were a big... Because that's when you did a lot of your interpretive dancing, correct? Well, (laughs) interestingly enough, I actually recorded a power ballad once for my friend Fionn's birthday. Um, oh, Anna, Anna, and it's actually his birthday this it's his birthday this week. So happy birthday, Fionn. Yeah, it was called Find My Bunny. Do we have a clip? Um, <laughs> off, I can d- I'll tell you what. I will. <laughs> if someone p- gives us, if we get an extra 10 Patreons today, <laughs> yeah, we Una will, will release her ballad. <laughs> I will release my power ballad recorded in Bow Lane Studios <laughs> with my friend Mark uh, probably about eight years ago. It's called Find My Bunny. It's about my friend Fionn. And we just had this kind of thing of that we would create increasingly elaborate and serious practical jokes that then it just became things would just become real life like recording tribute songs <laughs> to each other if we get an extra 10 patrons this today. week today if you want to hear Find My Bunny um, which was a tribute to Roxette and Bonnie Tyler so I'm just really sad about that so well my Roxette know, rest in power uh, I don't think one of my favourite films uh, would be what it is if it was not for Roxette. Hello, pretty woman. The power of sex work. Mm. Uh, also this week, <laughs> like actually one of the best things that I've ever seen in my life and so many questions that it throws up. The 120,000 uh, euro banana that was eaten at Art Basel at the weekend. So basically a piece of art uh, was put, was an actual banana taped with duct tape to the wall um, and someone bought it for 120 grand and then a performance artist came over and just undid the tape and ate the banana 
<laughs> and then the artist who made the artwork and sold it for 120 grand was like, don't worry, the art hasn't been compromised because I have instructions of how you replace the banana when it goes off anyway, so we can just replace the banana. So they replaced the banana and that is art. Like this brings me back to my best question in the world, what is art? But like, oh, it's so good. You should watch the video. Uh, another thing that happened this week, the uh, word of the year, according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, is they, because it is a non-binary pronoun and that is now named the word of the year. So that is brilliant. Um, in bad news, a number, the number of mumps cases in 29 is four times higher than last year. And that oh. is all down to misinformation about vaccines being spread on the social networks, which is obviously in bento bits. And like a few of my friends have had the mumps and they are not the crack, let me tell you. Also, which, well, which is very the crack, Body and Cell have pulled out of Electric Picnic um, to focus on their own buzz and kind of refocusing their values and where they're going. Um, and they kind of teased out that they're having a new winter festival, which is stunning because we all love the energy of Body and Cell. So big up Body and Cell. I think it's a, a very good move given the direction Electric Picnic's going in. Mm. Rack em and stack them. And it, it re- like Body and Cell was always like a little... Uh, it just feels right. Yeah, it'll be interesting as well to see what the picnic put in that space instead because it's actually a really large part of the festival. Yeah. Um, so we'll be w- Will they kind they of do. try and program it to be body and soul light? Oh, I hope I hope they just do something completely just different. Just get another brand. Because in. I think if you just tr- get another brand, <laughs> who have we not got in yet? There's this great vape brand. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just hope they don't try and replicate body and soul because body and soul is authentic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, big up all the body and soul crew. Let's move on to our county of Waterworld <laughs> and whitewater rafting. Whitewater rafting. That's what we're talking about today. Everybody's talking about whitewater rafting. Um, every, like, oh my God, remember that time we went whitewater rafting? No. So the, the, here's the... Here's the <laughs> Apart from our Dublin City Council leader who goes canoeing all the time. Anyway, yes, yeah, so here's the sitch. Um, if you're living in Dublin, you will probably know by now that uh, the uh, whitewater rafting facility has been approved. 23 million euro, 22 to 23. Um, and it's going to be in the C, kind of C, beside CHQ in, in around the IFSC. Um, Can I just interject there that that area was developed and built for cultural spaces like Fringe to have their Spiegel tent etc so that is another cultural space that is being erased that's a very good point point. Um, and the Spiegel tent was amazing there so good um, and it also was a home to other kind of one-off events like um, Christmas markets Oktoberfest and Oktoberfest and what I've so basically this is this this plan for a whitewater rafting centre you know which no one has really asked for has been uh, pushed through, brought through the Dublin City Council, you know, let's do stuff process, um, which is... Which ten- we have to command, let's do stuff, yes. Yes, let's do stuff. Um, and uh, now, basically, it's 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 going to be built. Um, it, it's kind of an extraordinary thing to do because obviously there's so many much smaller things that are already happening in the city that, that aren't being enabled or facilitated. Owen Keegan... Um, our pal, <laughs> um, who is the the head honcho in Dublin City Council executive, um, is also a keen uh, kayaker or canoe, canoeist. Canoeist. Um, 
Now, his defense of this coincidence <laughs> is that basically, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's kind of like my love of kayaking has nothing to do with kayaking or kayaking related things in the city. Um, he's actually completed the Liffey descent 25 times, um, which is a lot. Wait, what's that, Owen? My name is Ron Swanson, and I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about the miserable, screwed-up world of local government. We may, we may just have to start calling Owen uh, Ron Swanson because this really is kind of something out of like Parks and Rec. What does this tell us about priorities? Okay, sure, so these plans fit into other plans in various broader plans, like redeveloping sites the council owns, doing shit that people who process these applications think is cool and dynamic and vibrant, regenerating the north inner city and so on. Cliff Taylor wrote a piece in the Irish Times saying, you know, just because it ticks a load of boxes doesn't mean that it's a good idea. I think that's a really pertinent point. I do as well. But at the same time, yes, a white water rafting facility that allows for training for uh, fire brigades, etc. is a good idea. It's just when you look at when it goes from 12 million to 22 million, is it the best idea? So, it, like, it is a good idea. Like, and if I think if that facility was available to the local community to use at their discretion, rather than charging 50 euro per person to use, that just turns it into a neoliberal uh kind of statue for capitalism um, rather than providing a community facility. It's literally providing somewhere for tech bros to go and like do their team building. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it, like if that was for all the lads that are jumping into the Liffey mm. f- to use brilliant yeah. that is a brilliant facility to have in a city but the fact that you're making it so exclusive you're making it inaccessible you're making it 200 or 400 what was it 400, 400 euro per raft. A raft like uh, to use not to like buy, buy. <laughs> <laughs> but like obviously it's not on a river so it will not end up in the sea so maybe we need to create a roof for it to get in the fucking sea if you're not going to make it accessible. So I, I do think there is a something that we have to be con- cognizant of that it, it could be a good idea if it was maybe formatted in a way that makes it for the people. Right. And if you want to build a new facility like this that the community can actually use, what about an outdoor pool? And as Andrea says, you know, what about a fun kind of outdoor water park for kids who swim in the area? That's free. Um, what about shit? that people actually do in the city. Um, what about ideas that people on the ground have? I mean, I remember... Um, I think there was a pushback that um, there's no commercial viability and that's one of the worst words I ever hear. It's, it's public land. Yeah. And, it, it and it's be a public, public facility. facility. Um, but like when you have people going, well, this will give us an income. Yeah. Well, that is not what well, the Well, let's just sh- sell drugs then down the well I suppose I mean if you like but do you know what I mean it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. W- w- you know if it's all about just making a profit your job as a Dublin City Council is not to be a commercial viable company your job is to make a city for people to live in rock on I do remember there was a great fun, really super fun plan that Dave Smith from um, Mabos which used to be down uh, in the Grand Canal Basin and, and uh, was uh, is now actually the Airbnb headquarters that uh, warehouse down there and he had this plan because he was doing the Kings of Concrete stuff and was doing a lot of skate stuff down there and had this plan of doing a floating crazy golf course <laughs> that was kind of free and ended with this big robot in the in the middle of the basin it was exactly. actually super fun idea 
um, and and not just it was actually about like funness and DIY and and he already had his community down there of people interacting with that centre um, and and you know it was uh, you know just came up against a brick wall about it. I I do feel that the whitewater rafting idea and plan and the thing that's going to happen it feels very out of context to Dublin it feels very out of step with the city labelling something a big idea doesn't make it a good idea and why when there's such a squeeze in recreational spaces is Dublin City Council doing something that no one asked for and who's going to be able to afford it and it's basically an expensive facility for rich people I totally understand the thing around that um, people in fire services etc need train, um, you know, training facilities for rescue and all that. I'm really interested as to why that aspect of the plan seemed to only be mentioned very late on. And I think we know. As fr- someone who's worked in PR for a few years, <laughs> I think that at the if something's going wrong, you, you're going to bring in another angle to bring it down. But like, I think the Dublin Fleet did the best comparison ever um, in terms of measuring success for this a facility like this. So the projections for this is that in year five, the aim for the whitewater rafting facility is to have 37,000 visitors annually. So that's 37,000 visitors a year. In comparison, the Dublin Flea, which DCC said they didn't have any funding to support um, when their venue was taken away from them, brought in 73,000 visitors over eight days last year with an estimated spend of 3.5 million. Now, that back to my pyramid, uh, that's, what are we calling it? Pyramid shape. Structure, yeah. Structure. Um, that 3.5 million goes directly to 300 start-up businesses and small creative enterprises in Ireland. So that's playing the job of Dublin Chamber and all these other things of getting, uh, and especially uh, female-focused things, because there was a lot of craft and a lot of female-focused businesses in there, which is always something that's on the agenda for Enterprise Ireland and all these to try and get women uh, setting up uh, entrepreneurially. So you have this facility that is providing community, is providing startup support, Support, is getting uh, providing um, something to do is providing entertainment um, and is is overlooked for something that uh, will only be visited by a much less group of people and I think for this we have to borrow um, Jeremy Corbyn's mantra and reverse it because this facility is not for the many it's for the few to talk about this issue more and also to zoom out and give you guys broader context on how Dublin is reported on, we are delighted to have Lois Kaplan in studio. Woo! Lois is the editor of the excellent Dublin Enquirer. This year she was shortlisted for the Orwell Prize, one of the most prestigious prizes in journalism in Europe. Recent winners include Carl Cadwallader and Fintan O'Toole. She has added massively to the media landscape in the capital and in Ireland. If you are not already a subscriber to Dublin Enquirer, do it now. The January edition dropped through my letterbox this morning. Oh, great. And Good. there is nothing like reading a decent newspaper in print, says a person employed in the print industry. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll go into the subscription details in a little bit. But first, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. First off, let's zoom in. Whitewater rafting. Mm. Yeah. You are somebody who is on top of all of the goings on, council level, street level, <laughs> Dublin level. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not grimacing right now. <laughs> when did you first hear about the white water rafting plans? That's a good question. It's been it's been moving through the council for quite some time. I'm trying to think when we did 
our first story about it, but it would have been last year. Um, so it's, a, you know, the process that the council is, it goes to kind of an area committee where they look at it and it maybe comes back a few times. Um, and then it gradually sort of moves its way up to the main meeting where they voted on it at the December meeting. So like a, a few weeks ago. So I think... I should have looked that up before it came on. No, that's okay. Did you, um, but it was, a, you know, it was a good year, year or so ago, um, quite a while. Richard Shakespeare yeah. proposed it when he was first appointed. Right. Okay. Yeah. When when you were hearing about it, because I know when I when I first came across it, I was like, oh, a nonsense plan that will never happen. You know, something that will just fall by the wayside. Someone's swinging their dick around. Yeah, like it's just like this is just a, a random Ego. proposal. Yeah. Um, are you surprised that it has come this far? And why do you think it has when so many other proposals for the city never go anywhere? We can't even build a fucking library in Parnell Square. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's quite interesting to see the kind of path dependency that some projects have you might see them as you say early at an early stage say a couple of years a year ago and at the time everyone will be talking about it like oh we don't know whether it's going to happen we don't know but the more people or the officials seem to put work in the more it just seems to sort of move towards we've gone so far we're just going to do it there's this kind of drift everyone's paying attention to different things I guess with this as well like how stuff is funded and what it's what you know the funding streams for council and what that makes more likely to happen and not likely to happen is also a really important factor so can you explain that a little bit yeah so I guess so funding culture and recreation is a big issue in the city because um, it's sort of dependent in a way, it's dependent largely on grants from central government and then a little bit on kind of development levies and the big controversial thing at the moment, land sales. Um, so, uh, so, so so there's always kind of projects, lots of smaller projects are always held up by that. And that's what you've told on like Bridgeford Street, where people have been advocating so long for a park and are still waiting for work to start. And they say it's going to start next year. But and that will cost sort of, you know, a significant amount less than, than the white water rafting. Probably even um, less than they put like they put in half a million already just in like research and development. Y- yeah, like. I- I- exactly. Like they, they've put in a lot of money already. So so I, I guess uh, but but there were grants available from central government for certain parts of it, like the fire brigade kind of side of things. Mm. And so a lot of it is also driven by the weird way that, that local government is funded and, and what they can get money for and what they can't get money for. And, you know, what they can then say they can have income streams. They're saying it's going to be it's going to be like turning a profit in year two. I think a lot of people will be understandably skeptical about that. I don't know many businesses that turn a profit in year two. Yeah. Um, Loads of the pushback on it has been like people going, we need more housing. Why is the money being put into whitewater rafting? And you're talking about the funding. Can that money be used to build houses? So at the moment, no, I guess like the way it's set up, it wouldn't. It could be used for other rec projects in the Docklands. Like they could have, I think the Green Party was pushing for more like a public free swimming pool in the site, for example. Um, And I think the reason, again, that the officials said they couldn't do that or didn't want to do that was because this the whitewater rafting would have a revenue stream. They get the idea in the theory is that they'll say overcharge tourists and then be able to give local groups free access. I'm not so sure who will count as a local group or, you know, that's all a little mm. bit shady at the moment. And, you know, will continue to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens and where you block book and how people have access and the timing and all that kind of stuff. Um, sorry, what was your original question? 
<laughs> can the money that's being used yeah. for this project be used to build houses? Because that's the main, everyone's yeah. like, why are we not building houses with this money? Yeah, n- like, n- I guess technically not. But then, you know, like, I completely, uh, completely understand the frustration because it's like 22 million. It's government money. Like, and if, if you go sort of, it's perfect. Like, it's not good enough, I don't think, for the council to say, oh, people just don't understand how it works. <laughs> like, actually, maybe if it works in a stupid way, we should be talking about how it works and how we can fund it better and fund it in a more rational way and make sure that the small projects that people want, and it's not just these big flagship projects that make whoever look good and and feel good about, you know, they've done this big thing for the city. Right. It um, like it does kind of have a bang of capital budget that needs to be spent off it. Mm. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe my suspicion. I don't know if that's right. What do you think about that? Uh, I think uh, maybe they know if they can get funding for this, it's something they can do. And I think council officials very much see it as like their job is to get stuff done. And sometimes it seems at least I, I shouldn't probably project into their minds and they're all very different. But sometimes they seem a bit agnostic about what they're doing. Yeah. I'm sure they really care about it. But, you know, like it's like, OK, you know, we're supposed to be providing this. So we're just going to like ram it through and it, it just all just gets a bit undemocratic, I think. Let's zoom out now away from the choppy waters of the <laughs> IFSC. Philosophically, mm. how does your newspaper approach reporting on Dublin? Yeah, philosophically. Oh my God. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, I guess, okay, so I'm quite traditional in a way. Like, I, I, I kind of, like, it's rare for me to... Like when you ask me to be on this, I'm like, oh, how much do I actually like talking about things that we're reporting on? Because I do like to kind of make sure that anybody we talk to knows that they're going to be getting a fair shake and that we can follow a process and talk to people, you know, across the spectrum, apart from, you know, massive racists and all that kind of stuff. (laughs) Um, And and make sure that um, we're we're kind of being open minded about that and following following stuff. Um, So I guess... In a way, some of it is is quite traditional, just making sure that we're speaking to everybody. Also, but like, just really trying to make sure that there are so many people we aren't hearing from and reporting from the ground up, rather than you know off the record briefings with you know council officials or whoever it is, and and just sort of becoming very yeah. It's really easy to get sucked into that oh, I'm in the know, I know what they're saying, I know what's really going on and not stepping back and being like, wait a minute, <laughs> like I'm being used or, or that kind of stuff. So I'm I'm quite strict about like not doing, you know, that kind of anonymous sourcing stuff mm. um, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's two things that we do. Um, yeah, I mean, I think one of the thing, one of the characteristics of Dublin Quarry, you've kind of landed on really is, is this sense of fairness you know mm. that and that it's serious and that it's really easy to have heightened conversations about what's happening in the city it's much harder to actually and that it's not agenda led yeah. just shining a light on what's going on yeah. rather than well what do you think what do you think is important and less important to cover about Dublin and where do you think national media outlets fall down on that or could improve yeah there's so much like there's so much that even like that we should be doing that we just can't because of, of 
like resources and stuff. Like I, I was really kicking myself that we missed the story in like Cherry Orchard with the kind of um, intimidation on construction sites and things like that. Because it was something I kind of heard a little bit of rumours about and like put it on the list and then not really looked into it ever. But I think that really highlights how. And a lot of people I think were talking about it within within neighbourhood and within Ballyferm and stuff. So I think there are parts of the city that are just massively undercovered and like communities that just aren't really listened to enough and you know like uh, uh, over time that becomes more difficult uh, to do because people become more mistrustful and all that kind of stuff so you know there's a lot of places all around the world publications that are really like rebuilding relationships with communities and things like that and I don't think it's just local newspapers that can and should be doing that like national newspapers can and should be doing it as well and then the other thing that we need to be doing way more about is like tra- traveller rights and things like that like um, I just think it's just it's just terrible <laughs> like how people are treated and discrimination all across the board and the institutional racism and just the number of times people can talk about racism being new in Ireland yeah. and just like you're like oh my god that would just must be so like negating and just like making people feel invisible when they hear that because obviously people have been treated dreadfully for years and years and years so mm. um, I don't know those are just general general topics but I just feel like it's time right like and I know it's just editors and publishers giving reporters the time to go back out there and treat people decently and um, have time to step back and think about what they're writing so that they're not all rushed and you, people don't get more and more stressed out and more and more like angry with criticism because they don't have the space to step back and think oh shit maybe I messed that up or maybe I do need to apologise there or maybe that isn't my fault actually and I can justify why I did like all that kind of That's something I love about Dublin Wire because even if there's a council meeting I'll always be looking for what happened and I'll get in the mainstream media and then because I'll, I'll go to Dublin Inquirer first but then there'll be like two days later this really expansive piece that really details what actually happened rather than clickbaity stuff and I think that stands to you Thanks. I think like I think that context is really important, and so and, it's, and we're trying to get that that like um, balance between like not covering stuff that other people are covering because I really want to justify our existence the whole time and make sure that we are like covering stuff that it, you know that is missed. But then also, yeah, there are stuff that you're just like, oh, that's maybe not quite the whole story, and I think people are interested in going into that a bit deeper. So that balance between not replicating too much, but also yeah, giving all that context yeah. and thinking. Eh, you know that that's not quite comprehensible <laughs> like to people you spend a lot of time you know at council meetings and yeah. and, <laughs> and, and looking at what the council are doing um, I'm entirely happy about that <laughs> Lois does it so we don't have to yes. uh, uh, thank you for your service um, what do you think is like the maddest shit that's happened in the council this year oh good question I think the O'Devany Gardens vote yeah was pretty fraught and I think that everybody on all sides was really stressed out um, and I think that, you know, the, you could hear when you were sitting in the chamber, you know, the protesters on the steps shouting um, and like really pushing, you know, really, really wanting, you know, it to be 100 percent public housing on public land. And then you had obviously people in the um, at the back of the room who started uh, shouting right towards the end of the vote. Um, and it was just really it was just really fraught um, and understandably so. Like, Where do you see that going now? Yeah, I guess, like, we'll see. I think Dublin City Council is supposed to be putting out an expressions of interest to approved housing bodies to see if the portion that is supposed to be affordable rental, that if that's possible. I don't really understand how that model will, will work. I don't see central government 
funding it if approved housing bodies have to go to them for funding um, but then there's going to be Oscar Trainer Road, another site with a similar model down the line. I guess it depends on where there's a general election as well, like whether that would change housing policy and, yeah. I also read a, I read a piece you wrote recently about um, the le- the the leasing kind of agreement that's been done in the um, another barter development in Stony Batter, just a Blackwall place on, the, on Manor Street there. And this kind of way of... Um, you know, even when the the council is entering into agreements with developers to build housing that, you know, after 25 years of the council leasing it, you know, the developer will still own the housing. And on what, you know, on what planet do people really think that uh, if if the house lease reverts to the developer, that that developer will continue with that block of apartments being a social housing? I mean, they're just not going to do and that. It's incredibly expensive because it's funded by private equity rather than, say, low cost loans. So when you're looking at the cost of things like it's come up with the cost rental, what it, you know, how do you make it as cheap as possible if the rents are going to be based on, um, you know, the cost of building it? And you've got the land, obviously, and, but you've also got the financing, and the financing is a massive part of like the cost of these kinds of things. And when you're doing something like that. The cost of like getting money from private equity and then paying that back is just phenomenal. It's not it's not cheap. And as you say, it's like you don't necessarily end up with the home at the end of it. Um, it's just, yeah, it's it's just madness. <laughs> like, um, it, it's it's and, and some of it you wonder, you know, so Dublin City Council this year will have built 92 social homes, I think, is the figure in the capital programme. Um, and then, what yeah. was their target? Oh, I'm, more, more, <laughs> more than that, I think. More. But you know, it kind of reminds me of you know in the in the Soviet Union when they used to say you know like the shining future, like you know it's it's just around the corner, it's just around the corner. <laughs> Beginning to feel like that after after covering like social housing and house building for however long now, five mm. years. It's just around the corner, guys. What do you <laughs> like, think 2020 holds for um, the city? I think this year. I feel that there has been a bigger, broader, angrier, um, grimmer, more nihilistic conversation about Mm. Dublin than I think maybe in my career, actually. Mm. By the public. Yeah. And and I think that it's really, um, the, the conversation has just become tied in with so many different things around, obviously, you know, a particular type of nasty gentrification and the housing crisis mm. and the, um, you know, the mental health crisis that the housing crisis is causing and clubs and bars and, you know, fucking bikes and everything. Mm. Would you agree with that? I mean, you guys are kind of we- weirdly well positioned as, as a media outlet, yeah. given the discourse that is happening. I think people are really tired and just everything is so expensive. Like, like so it's just... Like, how do you plan for the future? How do people have kids? How do people, like, buy homes? How like just all those? I think yeah, I think you're right. I think people are really angry. Yeah, how do how do you just live? How like it's it's just exhausting. So yeah, like completely understand people talking about moving to other cities, and you do go to other European cities, and you're like, oh my god, (laughs) like things are cheaper here, and like there are wider pavements, and you know all that kind of stuff. Um, On a positive note, though, yeah, because we're all about positive. Okay, how Sorry. do we change it? <laughs> so, like in my mind, yeah. I think 
I keep getting really frustrated that we have a non-elected, non-democratic mm. executive who are making decisions, who are not le- letting votes change um, the plans, who are like, mm. well, we're going to do that anyway. We don't care what you say. Is the change, mm. I see the change to reverse the role of the executive and the councillors. What do you think? How do we get out of this mess? Yeah, I think you've got to have like local government reform. I think exactly and and I maybe sorry I know we're supposed to be being positive but like (laughs) it does seem that things are going in completely the wrong direction with you know centralization of planning and you know centralization not just with the like up to you know the executive you've got it up to Department of Housing or up to you know whatever agency you know that that the agencies they're setting up um but I don't I don't know what the part like the route is to actually like that happening <laughs> like I guess uh, seeing how it goes in I, other cities and I then feel like it's people power because in my mind the executive were put in place to stop all the brown envelopes apparently mm. but it's I feel like that's a cover from the government to put that w- in place so they can get what they want the way they want it and have yeah. be able to push blame and have no and nobody's answerable apparently yeah and of course I'm not saying I like I'm not saying that the executive or corrupt or anything I'm, what, but like centralising power is not really the solution to dealing with things like corruption or anything yeah. like, like <laughs> I just don't see how that works good point you know? well made <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah maybe maybe it is people but it's just quite a boring technical thing to get people excited in and it's not like it's hard to tie that maybe directly back to the city into the changes that are happening I don't know I feel like there are some people who've been banging that drum for a long time. I'm sure. I'm sure you're right, and things can change. It must. It must somehow. There must somehow be a route to that. Yeah, a new local um, government act or something like that. Yeah. Um, okay. So finally, right, Mayor Lois has just been elected. Oh <laughs> it's 2020. Um, we have. I keep thinking of Superman. Um, yeah, you probably get that all the time. Don't you? <laughs> Reporter okay. Lois is here. I know it's so embarrassing. <laughs> You've just been elected mayor in our future utopia and on your first day uh, you can do one thing but it's whatever you want and this one thing it can be small big medium sized and it and you believe that this would have a really positive impact on city life oh my god this is such a fun game what would that be oh my god okay oh wow Um, oh that's a really good question I can't single-handedly in one day build loads of social housing, can I? <laughs> like, you can make a decision like, in one day. Make a decision. Yeah, I, but uh, but also no, actually like cost cost rental housing because I think there are issues like and, and then merge social housing and cost rental housing. This is a whole program for government, but like, <laughs> but like because I think there are issues with how you know maintenance of social housing and covering costs. I do think you need to expand the number of people who have access to that public housing to make sure it's a sustainable model. And so, when you um, say cost rental, what does that mean for people who don't understand? Yeah, so that's basically when the rents are charged at the rate of um, you know building and maintaining and financing a, 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 um, a development. So um, so it's something that they're looking at in St. Michael's estate is something that the housing agency is is doing in um, Dunleary Rathdown one pilot but they're very small pilots at the moment um, and the Michael's estate seems to be being held up as like the pinnacle of housing solutions agreed yeah yeah p- yeah people are, are kind of watching that and and um, you know that was also grown from a lot of people on the ground who worked really hard on a campaign to make 
that um, cost rental mm. housing. So we'll see again what model they come up with when they come out with the model that they're going to um, do it under, because like a lot of that is in the detail as well about how, you know exactly what is cost rental mm. and how people interpret it. Um, and before you go, um, please tell us about your subscription models or how you <laughs> buy the Dublin Choir because everybody is going to get it um, for everybody else for Christmas and after they uh, sign up to our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a double whammy. <laughs> um, great. Yeah, so if they can go to dubliniquirer.com slash subscribe and slash gifts and we have a special offer running at the moment. Um, and yeah, it would be really great because we uh, don't really take advertising at the moment. We're uh, reader funded and we're constantly broke and <laughs> <laughs> like and there's so much I want us to be doing but we can't do at the moment and it's really frustrating and um, how so, much yeah. is the special offer you have at the moment so people can sign up for a uh, digital subscription for 25 for 6 months or 50 for a year and print and digital and you know um, both are, like access to events and things that we run as well uh, for Forty for six months and eighty for a year, and also we'll put a card in, a nice card to your gifty. And um, if you have other special requests, you can also ask me at Lois at DublinInquirer dot com. And also, you can just get in touch with story ideas as well and anything. Brilliant, and I love, I love it. I love like delivered newspapers. Thank you, it's good. A jam. Yeah, me too. I like, I like print. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Keep up the great work. Thank you, you guys too. Thank you so much. Yay. <laughs> Andrea, what is getting in the sea this week, apart from Owen Keegan in his little canoe <laughs> or kayak, whatever? The vision a kayak is covered and a canoe is open. Is that the difference? Well, as an expert whitewater <laughs> rafter, <laughs> I haven't a fucking rat. Um, I do like a little paddle. <laughs> I digress. Do you know what can get in the sea this week? Mother of Christ, it grinds my gears so much. And I suppose... As someone who works in a service industry, uh, uh, tips are a big thing for staff at this time of the year because it's just, you know, our culture of life. You give tips to people at the end. And let's not get into a big drama as some people did. About, That's so American. No, you just tip people because it's sound. Anyway, it has come to the attention over the last few years that some management in some facilities take the tips and do not give them to their staff. What sort of person do you need to be to, when people pay, put a tip on a credit card, you don't give it to the staff? And I know there's a big issue at the moment. um, And the two big issues with us, there's obviously the whole like privacy issues, but that's another day's story. But the two main issues with us not using cash as much anymore is that it becomes harder to um, help people on the street who may need some change to get a hostel or whatever because you don't have um, any money anymore. And the other thing is that when you're tipping and you put it on a card that it may not go to who you want to give it to. And I think we've, we talk about like our own money being our own money and you want it to go to who you give it to. So I suggested this week that everyone create for the festive season a cash stash that you use to tip your servers, people who are making you look good um, and all the people that you would normally tip with a card. Think about uh, giving it to the people directly in cash if that's who you want it to go to. And the people who are taking tips that are designated for staff and not giving it to them, fuck off and get in the sea. 
Fave bits this week. I have one fave bit and one fave bit only. (laughs) The L Word has returned. The greatest television show in the history of time apart from season six. Don't stare through me with laser beam eyes now. I've never seen it. Well, considering that the only television series that you have seen is Dynasty. (laughs) Old and new. I'm not surprised. (laughs) The L Word is very important in my life, in my friends' lives, as um, a trailblazing television show about queer women living in Los Angeles and um, started by Eileen Chaikin and it ran for six seasons. It was amazing, apart from season six. We don't talk about season six because it was so terrible and now it's back, a reboot. It was very ahead of its time. It was also like, like so much shit that, you know, is a decade old or whatever. Uh, loads of bits of it need to go to the problem attic. Um, but it's back Generation Q and me and my buddies um, hired a private cinema this week to watch it very bougie <laughs> very bougie because we very. used to gather in my friend Attain's apartment and all watch it together on Monday nights and we called it The Coven and it actually brought loads of queer women together like loads of people who didn't know each other we became friends girlfriends lovers, lovers exes Oh, the drams. Um, Very much art imitating life, imitating art, imitating life over and over again. So it's back and I can't wait for the drama on screen and and off. One thing I would like to pick out of that conversation that I find really annoying is you spoke about obviously some things from the past needing to get in the bin Mm. um, from that show. And this happens a lot with Sex and the City, etc, etc. And you can't just say, okay, that's cancelled because... No, 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 no. I think you can wa- you watch it in context. I, I hate when people are like, we can't watch that because that's not cool anymore. It's like, that was where we were at at that time and yeah. you can't l- take that away from it. Yeah. Um, so long live the L word. Okay, so anyway, just a final part of that. <laughs> I was also intensely worried that it would not be good. And so we watched um, the first episode and it was actually really fucking great. Now, it does seem to be kind of three television shows simultaneously happening, including a political drama with Bette Porter now running for mayor of Los Angeles. Loads of soapy stuff with new characters. They brought in these new characters. Um, and then kind of like, uh, what's that show with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon on Apple Friends. TV? <laughs> 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 Good morning or whatever. It's kind of also that because Alice Piazaki has now moved on to become a um, Chelsea Handler type queer female. But um, do you think that that's reflective center. of where we all are as people? That we want loads of little bits in no, the No, but thing? like I have a serious side. I have a party side. I have a frivolous I'm side. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm uh, like, bring it all oh, on. Yeah, but like I, I just think that before entertainment was always like oh this is your serious show and then mm. here's your light show it's like I kind of want it all like yeah. look at United Ireland <laughs> for example <laughs> um, yeah so I'm delighted and I love my friends I love the queer women and dykes this and bi women <laughs> and everything in my life and I love that it's back and I love that we're all together watching it and um, I love the recaps on Autostraddle and I love you just love Everyone. love. Una's had five coffees. She's like <laughs> whacked out of it on love this morning. 
Uh, my fave bits. I watched Wonder Walls on RTE, which is a documentary about street art, where it came from, mainly the murals in Belfast and how it's developed into superstars like Joe Caslin and Mazer and Will St. Ledger. And Aches. And oh, Aix, Who has who, his... Montana uh, spray can. Oh, it's so delicious. I'm going to go I buy it. I fucking love Aches. He's so unassuming Me and too. he's so talented and so sad. Anyway, that's a side note. Uh, it is a really, really, really good documentary and I think um, it's really good to see I don't want to say counterculture but culture that is not mainstream I suppose be, uh, being uh, created documentaries for RTE and I think they got a really good reaction so it just shows that if you diversify your de- uh, uh, oh my god what's that word D- definition <laughs> if you diversify your definition of culture um, and that niche markets are good markets and that it doesn't always have to be who you can reach the most if you can reach pockets that is the best um, also on my uh, fave bits the scratch are playing this Saturday and I miss them at other voices and I would sweat to go unfortunately I am in Paris at Crystal Clear so I won't be able to go but I would tiny violin playing for you there <laughs> Well, sorry. <laughs> we, we had to make a decision between Trad and Rave and Rave will always win. Um, and finally, my fave bit, tonight, tonight, or last night or whenever you listen, uh, my fave band, Wild Youth, are doing their second night in the Olympia and I just love the pop and the positivity and the dancing and the electro vibes and they're just so, just pop stars. Go on, pop stars. What's Jennifer Lopez up to this week? <laughs> These Wall Street guys. You see what they did to this country? The game is rigged and it does not reward people who play by the rules. So, are you in? Well, 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 it was a big week for United Ireland this week. She got her own tweet. Nothing to do. That was probably the highlight for her getting a tweet from United Ireland. She also Are you got tweeting <laughs> Jennifer Lopez from the United Ireland <laughs> Yes, obviously. <laughs> she got a Golden Globe nomination. Yay! Yes! Go, Jen. Also, Andrew Scott and Saoirse Ronan did as well. Fair play to of it, Ireland. But our girl, J-Lo, I'm so fucking delighted she got the Golden Globe nom. I'm very excited. I did delve into a little tweet. Twitter thread about people going are you fucking joking me Lapita didn't get nominated mm, and, she should have as well uh, Jay fucking loaded and like she, someone was like she's played the same character for the last 10 years and someone like took all her characters and he going are you saying this is the same character I was like oh I love J-Lo scrap the uh, New York Times also included her in their 10 best actors of 2019 agreed <laughs> and maybe <laughs> the best thing that's ever happened in the world <laughs> Uh, there was a, a stan of J-Lo on a flight at the weekend. His name was Joseph Longo and he was very supportive of J-Lo's uh, quest for an Oscar and Golden Globe. So he tweeted uh, JetBlue to ask them to maybe make an announcement on the flight to encourage everyone on the flight to watch Hustlers in support of J-Lo. Now... JetBlue got wind of this and the pilot did make the announcement and everyone did watch Hustlers on the flight. I love this. And, you know, one of my favourite viral video subgroups is things that are announced over airplane PAs. (laughs) My friend proposed to his uh, husband on... Uh, PA public proposals make me very anxious. I, it may, but it made he had to propose before New Year's Eve, and they were on a flight to Miami, so they did it on, <laughs> on 
the, it's like the, a, a different. Hi, it, Brian and James. <laughs> if Inception was a rom com, things you had to do on a long flight. No, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, shout outs, Alma. You were loving our. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> shout outs, Alma. You were loving last week's episode on Russ Common with Connor Habib. Thank you for the love, and thank you, Connor, as well, for shouting out that episode on your Patreon. Go listen to his podcast against everyone with Connor Habib, and thank you, Fionn, as well for listening to that and uh, really enjoying the smart conversation. Same Fionn as the power ballad tribute <laughs> Find My Bunny which if we get 10 You need to get a room with Fionn today. New patrons. <laughs> if we get 10 new patrons uh, we will release the Find power, My Bunny. That power ballad. That power ballad. This podcast is produced by Andrew Mang and a Castaway Media with support from Susie Bennett. Crystal Clear gave us his tuna chicken roll for our soundtrack. Sarah Fox did all of our design. You can find links to all our socials on our website, unitedirelandpodcast.com. And if you're enjoying listening, do let us know. If you have any suggestions for subjects, slide into our DMs. Um, big news. We have our Patreon rewards. They're in my hands. They're coming at you in the post. Stand by like a standbyer. To see us out today, our tuna chicken roll. I've got two options here. I was like, do I want to be seen as cool or do I actually want to play the ultimate banger of 2019? Is this the... <laughs> and I've decided that I'm not going to be cool because I'm not cool. I am playing the ultimate banger. This is going to... Br- this has opened up my life so much in the last two months. And I can't talk about how amazing it is. And for all you sesh pigs out there, <laughs> as you're in the middle of the sesh... It's getting a bit tiresome. Everyone's like a little bit weary. You bang this on. I will tell you, that's a rejuvenation you have not seen in a long time. Stand by for the Girls Aloud Megamix. I've been United. I've been Una Malati. I've been Andrea Horan. This has been United Ireland. And that was Waterworld. White water in Dublin City.